acknowledge that it's Anzac Day tomorrow. It's a day when we acknowledge the sacrifice that servicemen and women have made for the freedom and the peace that we now enjoy today. And so many of you probably know that this, this day was established after the events of World War I when 8,000 or more men gave their lives in the Battle of Gallipoli. Since then, the day has been expanded to include all servicemen and women that have sacrificed their lives in multiple conflicts since then. And so we do just take that time to reflect on that sacrifice that has been made. And often verses like John 15:13 are quoted on a day like today. Jesus' words saying, there's no greater sacrifice than to lay down one's life for their friend. No greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. And that's really what this comes down to, is that the sacrifice that these people have made for all of us, so that we can enjoy that freedom and that peace, it was ultimately done out of love. So let's just let's lift it up in prayer this morning. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much that we live in a country that is free. I thank you so much, Lord, for the peace that we can enjoy in this place. And Lord, I just lift up all those people, all those families that, had, that know people that have been sacrificed in war, Lord, have lovingly given themselves in, in defense of peace and in freedom, Lord. I'd, I thank you, Lord, for all the people in this church that have served, all the families that have supported people that have served. And I pray, Lord, that you bless those people abundantly. And we just thank you for that this morning. Amen. So here we go. We're, we're now up to the final part of our PATH series. You would have heard Pastor Simon speak on fellowship just before Easter. I'm going to talk on church today. So we're in the, the H of the path guide there. We've made it to the end of this series describing different disciplines that, that we should be following really as, as disciples. So I'm going to talk about church this morning. And as I was thinking about what to talk about this morning, as I was praying about it, this verse came up on my Bible app. If you've got the Version Bible app, you might have seen this come up the other week. It's John 13, verses 34 to 35. It's Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So it's Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's saying, Love each other as much as I've loved you. Love each other with this sacrificial love that I've shown you with my life. In fact, that's how people will know that you are my, my disciples, because they'll be able to see this love that you have for each other. There'll be something different about your gatherings, something that the world can't offer. And I think this is pretty much Jesus' vision for the church. The church, this community of Jesus' disciples, should be known first and foremost for their love of one another. And it really got me thinking, you know, how many churches are known first and foremost for how they love one another? I can think of plenty of churches that are known for their great music, you know, the rock star preaching, or even like really simple things like the fact they have free coffee. But I'm like, how many are known just for their love? You know, how many churches are known for the people there and how much they love each other when they gather together. And I'd argue it's probably a fairly short list. And I think it's become this way because 
the reality for a lot of people is that church is just a Sunday service. We live in a time when people will go to a building on a Sunday morning, they'll attend for an hour or two, and they'll call themselves a member of that church. And that probably doesn't sound shocking at all, right? It's, for a lot of people, it's, it's normal. It's what we grew up with. It's what everyone does. We don't really think to question it. But part of the problem here, I think, is how we as disciples view the church. And I think church has become this way for so many people because we view it perhaps with a consumer mindset. We view church as something to be consumed. I hear people say things like, you know, oh, where do you go to church at the moment? I'm not getting much out of mine. And the reply might be, I go to the church down the road. They have great music and I love the kids' program. You know, that's, that's a normal conversation for people to have. But I think that conversation does reveal a bit of a consumer mindset because really what we're asking ourselves is which church is going to give me or serve most of my needs? You know, which church is going to give me most of what I need in the least amount of time? And I have to admit, that's what church was to me for a long time. Right? Something just to be consumed. When I first moved to Canberra, I shopped around for a church. And that's the right word for it. I shopped. I was looking for a church that was entertaining, offered me something interesting, right? I weighed up how convenient it was to get to. And when I did go to the service, I'd leave the second it was done because I'd got what I came for. I'd, I'd gotten everything I wanted, so why would I hang around any longer? But what's interesting is that where I ended up was actually somewhere that offered me something far more than what I was expecting. It's somewhere that really challenged my view of what church was. Ultimately, I, I ended up at a church that made me part of their community. I really felt like I was part of a family there. I was surrounded by people that loved me. You know, we shared meals together. We did Bible study together. We supported and encouraged one another. We served each other. And even though God has called me out of that place into new and exciting things, I believe that the bonds that I've built with those people can never be broken. I'll always consider those people to be part of my family. And I really feel that what I experienced there was the kind of love that Jesus talks about here. You know, and that experience, it changed my view of church forever. My eyes to the fact that church is so much more than just a Sunday service. You know, it's so much more than a, a product that we just consume. I discovered that really at the heart of it, the church was people. It's people who gather together and love one another, just like Jesus talks about here. And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning. As disciples, are we living out Jesus' command here in John 13, 34? As a church, as a community of Jesus' disciples, are we loving each other like he loved us? Is there something different about the way we gather together? Is there something more than what the world can offer? Or have we reduced Sunday to an optional weekly meeting? You know, do we look at church like we're consumers? Are we turning up expecting programs and services? And I'll, I want to work through this this morning. And to help us understand what church is, what it should look like, we're going to have a look at some verses from 1 Corinthians. We're looking at the New Testament. The New Testament really gives us the best understanding of what church should look like for us today. It's full of examples of how the people who formed the first church, the first Christians, lived their lives, how they related to each other. And it's also full of really good metaphors that just describe what the church should look like. And I want to look at one of those in particular, which is church as a body. 
So you'll find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. This is a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. I'm just going to step through those verses this morning. And what you'll find is this Corinthians in general is a, a letter that Paul's writing to this church to offer them correction, really. He's, it, it would appear that these people have forgotten what it means to love one another like Jesus loved them. And so Paul's using this metaphor of a body to really paint a, an image for them of what church should look like. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read through verses 12 to 27. So starting at verse 12, it says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. What Paul's saying here is that if you want to know what the church should look like, you don't have to look any further than, than your own body. And that first verse there, verse 12, it summarizes his main points. He says that the church should be one body with many parts, and it should be Christ-like. And so he says the church, this gathering of people that call themselves followers of Jesus, he says they'll form one body. So the human body is made up of lots of different parts, different limbs, different organs. They all have different functions, but they still form one body. It's still one organism. And in the same way, Paul is saying here the church, although it's made up of lots of different people, it should be one. In other words, the church, the church should be a people who are united together. And note straight away that there are things in this world that tend to divide people. In verse 13 there he says, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. So at the time Paul is writing this, being a Jew or a Gentile, being slave or free, they were cultural or social statuses that would divide people. Jews wouldn't associate with Gentiles. Slaves were considered to be of little or no worth compared to people who were free. But Paul, but Paul says those divisions that the world makes based on class or status or anything else really, they have no place in the church. For us today, those things that have the power to divide people are probably not too dissimilar. Things like cultural background, social status, political affiliations, lots of different things. But he argues if the church is one body, then those things don't divide you here. And the reason for this is that we are more than just a loosely related group of people. You know, when we made that decision to follow Jesus, we became brothers and sisters. Paul says, we were all baptised by one spirit. When we were baptised, we declared with both our words and our actions that we would be followers of Jesus. Essentially, we're saying goodbye to this fractured piecemeal life where we just live for ourselves and we've chosen to join something far bigger, and that's the body of Christ. All right? And more than that, Paul says here that we're all given one spirit to drink. He's saying that we've also invited the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. The Holy Spirit, I have no doubt, helps draw us together, actually gives us a supernatural unity. All right? It surpasses all of our difference, all of those things that, that used to divide us, all those things that used to seem important, they no longer make any sense anymore because they're not part of God's plan. We've been transformed. 
and that transformation has united us together and there is no reason for division among us. Paul says we are one body. So in talking about being unified into one body, I think Paul is also careful not to give the impression that individuality isn't important, that it's just the collective that matters and not the individual. And so Paul, we see here saying in verse 14, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The human body is made up of lots of different parts, all serving different functions. And in the same way, the church should be made of lots of different people, people with different backgrounds, different life experiences, different skills, different ages, different genders, different classes. The many parts that Paul is emphasising speaks of diversity. In fact, the, the church functions at its best when a diverse group of people gather together. And I think Paul really wants us to get this image straight in our minds. And so he continues to explain the need for these many parts in the next two verses here. He says, Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. So Paul is highlighting here how, as individuals, we have this tendency to compare ourselves to each other. Right? He says things like, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. He's really highlighting how we do compare ourselves to each other and in the process often feel inadequate about what we have to offer. You know, he wants us to see actually that that doesn't make sense for us to think like that. You know, talking about the hand, you said it's like saying, sure, the hand has more dexterity, it's got more grip, it can write, it can do lots of precise movements. But to say that the foot is not part of the body because of that, it doesn't make sense, right? The foot actually does a lot of really important things still, but they're different functions, right? In the church context, Paul really wants us to see that this comparison that we make to other people also doesn't make sense. He's saying that no matter what your skills, are, skills or talents are, no matter what your background, your education, you're still part of this body. There is a place for you here and there is a purpose for you to fulfill. If the whole body were an eye. Sorry, he goes on to say this. If the where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. So Paul's continuing along some similar lines here. He wants us to think a bit more deeply about just how important it is that each and every person is part of this body. He's saying it requires lots of different parts to make a whole body. And this diversity is required because, as Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? You know, he's saying that we don't all fit the same function. And in fact, if we did, we'd kind of be useless, right? So each person is required because each person has something unique to bring. There are things that you can do that others can't, and vice versa. There are skills that you can bring, experiences that you can share. There are people that you can support that no one else can. Everyone has something to offer, and that same logic, I think, should lead us to see that 
Church is more than just a Sunday service. Church is more than just about hearing one person talk. It's more than just about hearing a few people play in the band at the front. It's so much more than what you see up the front here. And I don't want you to think for a second that I don't think this is important. Sunday service is so important for us as Christians, but it's not everything. This service is not the church. Church is people. It's about people coming together to make this community work. It's about people mutually supporting and caring for each other. It's about the outreach we provide to each other, the meals that we share with each other, the way we lift each other up in prayer, the fellowship we enjoy at things like connect groups, you know, youth, rise, the time and effort people lovingly pour out into building up the kids' ministry. You know, these things are only possible when everyone brings their unique gifts and talents. If only some people are contributing, then, then like Paul says, it's like the body's missing its sense of smell or its sight. It might be missing a hand or a foot. You know, there's, it's not functioning to its full capacity. And I can also understand, I guess, the, the flip side of that. If you are part of this community and you feel like you're, you are serving in the church, but you feel doubtful about how important your part is, maybe you look at the band and you say, well, maybe what I'm doing is not as important because I don't have any musical talent. Maybe you look at the, the pastors and say, I'm not that important because I'm not in a leadership role. Paul has this to say in the next few verses. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So when he talks about those parts of the body that are weaker, those parts that we think are less honourable, that are unpresentable, Paul's saying that if you're doing things that aren't in the limelight, things that are done behind the scenes, or maybe things that you think are, are just not as important as other jobs, actually, those things are indispensable. Right? And I think of the setup team. I think of all the effort that goes on to organise events during the week. I think of the time people spend faithfully in prayer for this church, the small acts of kindness that go unnoticed. There's lots of things that happen, and the church can't function without those things. They are indispensable, and they should be treated with special honour, like Paul says. He goes on to say this. There should be no division in the body. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Paul paints a picture here of the care and the concern that we should have for each other. He's saying we should be so close to each other and have such care and concern for each other that you know, if, if one person's suffering, then we'll feel it too. You know, if they're going through a good time, and we'll feel that too as well. We'll be so happy for them that we'll be rejoicing alongside them. As one body, we share in both the good times and the bad times. We're ready and waiting to lift up those people who are going through a hard time. You know, we're even willing to suffer alongside them to ease that burden. That's how close we should be. So what Paul is describing here is 
is more than just a Sunday service. He's talking about getting, to, getting together with other people who mutually support each other, people who share with each other, people who counsel each other, who encourage one another. You know, this is an image of a people doing life together. Paul then finishes off with a reminder of what it is that really sets us apart. This is the last verse. It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. As a church, we're not just anybody. We are the body of Christ. And this means that we're called to be this physical representation of Jesus here on earth. We're called to continue the work that Jesus began, do the sort of things that Jesus did, live out his teachings. And what did Jesus do? He loved people. You know, and I think about the lengths that Jesus went to to show us that love, the lengths he went to to reconcile us back to himself. You know, I think of the whippings that he endured to ensure that we were forgiven. I think about how he thought of us, even as he hung on the cross in agony. There was no sacrifice that was too great. There was nothing that Jesus would have held back. He did everything necessary to redeem us, to heal us, to transform us. He loved people so much that he allowed himself to be tortured and killed for us. And then Jesus says to us, the church, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Have you ever considered loving another Christian as sacrificially and selflessly as Jesus has loved you? Have you ever looked at a brother and sister in this church and just wanted to bring them life, no matter what it would cost? You know, that's, that's what Jesus did for us. And he wants us to do the same thing for each other. You know, we've experienced the greatest love in the universe. And I feel like that love should just be flowing out of us. You know, flowing out so that we form that one body, one body that is so strongly united that if one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. You know, where our love for each other is so strong that we celebrate the diversity of the people here and look for ways to serve each other with those unique gifts. And maybe you're hearing this and you're wondering, you know, does God really expect me to be that close with people I'm not related to? People who aren't in my family, people who I probably wouldn't even choose to be friends with. And look, I totally agree. It sounds crazy. It sounds absolutely crazy. It's not natural for people to be close with people who are not in your family. It's not natural to be that close with people you don't normally associate with, people who are not like you. But I think that's exactly the point. It's not supposed to be natural. It's supernatural. Paul says we are the body of Christ. You know, we are Jesus' representatives. This is Jesus who rose from the dead. Jesus who sent us the Holy Spirit. There's nothing normal or natural about that. It's supernatural, right? And that's what enables us to love like Jesus loved us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly why church should look so different to anything that the world offers. So this is what it comes down to. Paul says, we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. If there's one thing that you remember from this sermon, it's that the church is the body of Christ. It's one body with many parts, and it's Christ-like. It's one body that speaks of how we are a people who are united 
together. The things that divide us in the world, they don't divide us here. We all drink from the same spirit, and we are now brothers and sisters. The many parts, it speaks of the diversity of the people who gather here. And that diversity enriches this community, where we're seeking to bring that variety of skills, backgrounds, personalities together and serve each other. This body is Christ-like. You know, it speaks of how we're, we're seeking to live out Jesus' teachings. We're seeking to be that physical representation of Jesus here on earth, loving each other like he loved us. And if the church is the body of Christ, then we really can't reduce it to just a Sunday service. It can't be reduced to this product that we consume. Our view of church needs to be expanded you know, to see that it's really it's about people. The church is people, people who form one body, many parts, and live like Jesus lived, loving each other like Jesus loved us. So with this in mind, I'd invite you into this process that we've been doing over the past few weeks. Discern, learn, practice, reflect, and then celebrate. I'd invite you to spend some time discerning, spend some time in prayer, asking God, is church something I need to work on? Ask yourself, as a disciple, is there something supernatural about the way you love other people in this church? Ask God to help you love other people like he's loved you. Spend some time in prayer asking God to help you grow closer to the people in this church so that you view them like a member of your family. Ask God to reveal to you where your skills and your talents can be used in this place to, to lift other people up. And then I'd invite you to spend some time learning. I'd invite you to, to read these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. Read them for yourself and see how God speaks to you through them. Really spend some time meditating on what the church as a body means and what it looks like in practice. And of course, read the book of Acts. That's a powerful example of how the first Christians lived. It will show you an example of how they, they gathered together and what they did together as disciples of Jesus. They're, they're powerful examples. I'd encourage you to do those things as you, as you learn more about church. And finally, practice. What, what does it mean to put all this into practice? At its simplest, I think it means gathering together with other Christians. It's spending that time together with other people. Think of our connect groups, men's and women's events. Think about maybe just having someone over for dinner. Do simple things to build those connections with people. And maybe think about volunteering for a ministry. One of the, the most powerful ways you can build those connections with people is serving alongside them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this time that we have this morning to reflect on what it means to be a disciple of yours. I pray, Lord, that, that you would strengthen each and every one of us to love each other like you loved us. It's such a powerful example you set for us, Lord, and at times it can feel intimidating to think that we should be loving each other as radically and sacrificially as you loved us. But I'm comforted, Lord, in knowing that you have sent us the Holy Spirit, that we're not doing this alone, that you, you work among us, Lord. And as you work among us, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen those bonds that we have with each other. I pray, Lord, that you would bind us together into a family, that you would help us to love and sacrifice for each other in the same way that you loved us. In your mighty name, Lord. Amen.